Since 2007, the Paul Meredith team at CityCan Financial has prided themselves on providing a better mortgage experience than you'll get anywhere else. Paul and his team will guide you through the home financing process with professional quality advice, exceptional service, and mortgage rates tailored to meet your specific needs. Their goal is to treat all of their clients the same way they would if they were doing a mortgage for their own mothers. They want to provide you with a wow experience with your mortgage from industry-leading low rates to giving their clients the rock star treatment. The Paul Meredith team would love to have the opportunity to help you out on your next mortgage and show you why they have over 300 five-star reviews on Google. We at On The Way Home would like to acknowledge the original stewards of whose lands this podcast is recorded on. In York Region, we recognize we're on the traditional territories of the Wendat, the Haudenosaunee, and the Anishinaabe peoples, and that this is the treaty lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit. And in Vancouver, we acknowledge that we are on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, the Musqueam, Squahomish, and Tsleil-Waututh, whose presence on these lands continue to this day. Welcome to On The Way Home, a podcast dedicated to the issues surrounding homelessness and the incredible experts making a difference in the lives of homeless people. Remember to subscribe to the podcast anywhere you're listening and share it with a friend. Now, here are Michael Braithwaite from Blue Door and Stefania Secha from the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness with today's guest. I guess good morning on my side of the, <laughs> the continent in Canada here in BC. How are you guys doing? Fantastic, thanks. I'm really excited about today's guest, uh, Dr. Jeffrey uh, Turnbull. And, you know, if we would need an entire show for me to go through all the accolades that, uh, and I, I think he would uh, be horrified if I did go through all of them, uh, but he's earned every one. I mean, Order of Ontario, Order of Canada, former uh, head of the Canadian Medical Association, um, and now he's the medical director of the Ottawa Inner City Health uh, program. It's just incredible. But what stands out to me about today's guest is, you know, titles aside, he should have the title incredible human being, uh, just his yeah. dedication, compassion, and what he does for people experiencing homelessness. Um, it's just, you know, been uh, amazing to watch. And the fact that, you know, he could, if he wanted to, I think he's earned the right through all his hard work to step away and, uh, retire and, and maybe enjoy life a little more even during this pandemic during a crazier time but he has chosen not to in fact a few years ago he, he stepped away from uh, being chief of staff and why he's always been involved or for many many years been involved uh, in this uh, line of work um, chose to step into this uh, full-time uh, with Ottawa Inner City Health and is is just saving lives working with his team in the process so uh, Jeff welcome to the show. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, welcome, Jeff. Um, again, we're so excited to have you. And uh, we're always fascinated by the journey of our guests as well. And, and your story is certainly no exception. Um, in 2017, you walked away from a high profile job as chief of staff in Ottawa to take on your current role at a time when many people might consider retiring. Um, can you walk us through some of yours and, and how you ended up in your current position? So thanks, Stefania. The, I've always had um, the opportunity of looking at medicine from many different perspectives. So I provide services um, uh, in an acute care facility, the Ottawa Hospital. I have uh, taken on leadership roles locally, provincially, and nationally. 
But, you know, I've always kept my interest in delivering services right in the community for the homeless. And I started that at, you know, back in the 90s and, and have continued that uh, right until the present. And from an absolutely selfish perspective, um, I have to say that it's the most enjoyable part of my day. And uh, uh, I would loathe to give that up. Um, and um, I suspect I won't be giving that up anytime soon. <laughs> That's great. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the work of Ottawa Inner City Health? So Ottawa Inner City Health started in the early 90s uh, when myself and several other key people within the, the homeless community got together and said, you know, we can do a better. The, we were really taken by the, the very poor health outcomes that were experienced by people experienced. And so we started this process of healthcare delivery. It was a healthcare system for the homeless. And what we, it wasn't the usual healthcare system, of course, because that wouldn't work and it wasn't working. And so we said, no, let's deliver care that's appropriate to them on their terms. And so we started bringing health services right into the shelters. And now it's grown from a small little operation to something that's actually a whole healthcare system from health promotion, primary care, secondary level care, even tertiary care, and of course, end of life care for those people who are dying within the homeless community. And so we're multiple sites throughout the city, multiple programs, um, uh, personal support workers and peers and nurses that are, reach out every day and work writers. I think that's just incredible. And and there was there's something the other healthcare crisis I wanted to, you know, touch on as well is is you've been a strong proponent of preventative work when it comes to dealing with the opioid crisis. And can you talk to us a bit about that as well? So of course, working with the, the homeless, we many most, I would say, of our our clients experience both mental health and addictions. And the addictions we've seen everything from, you know, non-beverage alcohol to um, crack cocaine and then prescription opioids, and then more recently, the opioid crisis. And the, remember, I see the most refractory people with addictions. They have um, failed almost every other treatment program. And so I've been struck by the fact that we have to stabilize them first for traditional treatment programs to work. They have to be stabilized. And then we have to work on many different facets. It's not just addiction. It's what brought them into a world of poverty? What's their mental health like? What are their family supports like? All of those things have to be worked on at the same time to be successful in stabilizing people get them into a housed environment, and then move them from that supportive housing into uh, an integrated community-based program that where they can succeed and become part of our community again. And so that harm reduction perspective, reducing the immediate damage has always been so important for us. And then at the same time, 
delivering services that are appropriate for them and saying, how can we help you and remove barriers for you to get you back into a life that's more stable, one that you want? Jeff, you talk about community and, and a sense of community is so important uh, for people when we're looking at ending homelessness. And we know while the entire community, entire communities have been severely affected by the pandemic, our most vulnerable even more so. Can you talk about what's changed for you and your team uh, over the course of the pandemic? So we were, Michael, just recovering from, um, or not even recovering, we're trying to deal with the opioid crisis. Um, and then lo and behold, along comes COVID. And think about somebody who is struggling with mental health issues, um, addiction, sheltered environment. Um, think about all the things that you and I are able to do to protect ourselves and families, such as socially distancing, hand hygiene, um, if get tested regularly and frequently with any symptom, and then if you're tested, you have to isolate. Um, those things are totally beyond the capacity of a person who's homeless, who's struggling every day with their addiction and their mental health. That's their priority, the voices and the withdrawal that they're trying to prevent. Then you're living in a 70 bed room. You're lining up with a hundred other people for meals. You're in an overcrowded facility. And if you are tested and have symptoms, where are you gonna go? You are not gonna go back into that shelter and there's no place for you to go. So the challenges are enormous for them. They're vulnerable. They have high risk circumstances. The, their living environment is, is one that is, is very, very dangerous for them. And they feel totally helpless. And they kind of feel that institutions around them have let them down. Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, provides high-quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart, Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project, or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. Absolutely. And I know that, you know, the first message to come out of the pandemic was stay safe, stay at home. Very tough to do if uh, you do not have a safe place to call home. We're seeing a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. We're seeing the vaccine rollout across Canada. Uh, but in doing a little research on, on your work too, you talked about the difficulty or some of the challenges that you see with uh, getting the vaccine out to people experiencing homelessness. Can you expand on that? So first of all, the vaccine is gonna be just absolutely essential for us. Just to tell you the last two weeks, we have 200, over 200 positive cases in our shelters. That gives you an idea of just the magnitude of the problem that we're dealing with. Now, the only way that we're gonna be able to stop the spread of that amongst individuals who are so precariously housed is some kind of a, a vaccine. 
And that's going to be what we're all waiting for. But think about it, you know, two doses, you know, you've got vaccine hesitancy, you've got people who have not trusted um, structured organizations to give them shots, etc. Quite rightfully, I have to say, in some circumstances, you've got individuals who don't stay in the same place. They're moving from place to place. How are we going to give that second dose? Are they going to give us their name? Um, and it has to all be built on trust. The people who are giving the vaccines have to be trusted members of their community. And they have to say, you know, this is a good thing. Take it. I'm taking it. I want you to take it. So the challenges that they face in getting appropriate immunization that you and I would expect, it's just almost insurmountable when you take into consideration all those factors of moving around and names and no trust and all of that kind of stuff. So we have a big challenge ahead of us, but that doesn't prevent us from moving ahead. And we are ready. We, we will do this as soon as uh, we can get the vaccines made available to us. Absolutely. And it's not a, it's not a simple uh, procedure as you talked about, right? But it's, it's good to know that you and your team are ready to roll. I think as we look back at, I think it was 2003 around SARS when we said, what are the lessons learned? When in a year, two years, when we're mostly through COVID, what do you think are some of the lessons learned from this pandemic? Well, I, Michael, I hate to say this, but you know, we kind of knew some of these problems before COVID arrived. We knew that there was the most vulnerable members of our communities were living in very unstable, overcrowded circumstances. We knew that. We knew that those people were deprived of reasonable, effective services. And we were not um, moving swiftly enough into effective housing strategies for this community to end homelessness. Hopefully the lesson learned from COVID was, you knew that stuff, now get on with it and deal with it before another catastrophe occurs right before our eyes, because this is unfolding as we speak. Um, and it's a major, major issue and new variants or whatever that might be, we are just waiting for this to explode within the homeless community and that will be a crime. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I just want to take a moment for our next question to kind of pivot, because um, we've been talking about what's going on now, but to kind of be reflective and look back over your career. And I'd love to know more about some of the work that you are most proud of. Um, and also, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see ahead? So I'd have to say this, the things that I've been most proud of, um, even though I've worked in many different areas in medicine, I would say that I'm most proud of my work within the homeless community. Um, it's uh, being part of a team um, that have made such an important contribution uh, to the homeless community, to the quality of their lives, um, to advocate for them, to give voice to the people who are voiceless, um, and to provide meaningful services to them. So I would have to say, if I was speaking to my children or others, um, I would hope that they would remember me for that more than anything else. And 
What are some of the challenges ahead? I think my greatest fears are that um, we won't move ahead in an effective way on ending homelessness. We've talked about this till we are blue in the face. Now let's get on and do something about it. Put me out of work, please. Um, uh, I think that um, if I was to look back, I'll, you know, in, in 15 years, if we're still talking about homelessness, I will be gravely disappointed. Yeah, I agree. Um, I really also love that mantra of put me out of work. I think that's sort of the end game, isn't it, for all of us in the sector. Um, so <clears throat> speaking of that, how can people find out more about the life-saving work you do at uh, Ottawa Inner City Health or, or support its cause? Um, I would, they're just one of many different groups right across this country who are very hard to serve this community. Um, you can connect with us through our website um, um, at Ottawa Inner City Health, um, and we would be very pleased to try and provide any additional information or support anyone who wishes to uh, serve this very, very vulnerable and marginalized community. Wow. Well, listen, I think that we would be fools not to support it. You're doing incredible life-saving work. You're inspirational. Listen, I did a lot of reading about you before this. You lived up to expectations. Um, and we are so grateful for all you and your team are doing to help people experience homelessness. We know that housing is health and health is housing. They are um, interconnected so much and you can't say healthy without a home. And you know, we, we can't say healthy without people like you leading the way. So Jeff, thank you so much for all you do and for coming on the show today. We know your time is so valuable. Yeah, thanks it's been again. Just an absolute pleasure. Thank you both. Wow, what an incredible individual. You know, Steph, when, uh, when I was doing the research around Dr. Turnbull, I mean, the, the accolades that he has are incredible and, and, and well-deserved, but what people talked about was his ability to connect with people, uh, people experiencing homelessness, staff. Um, and you saw right there, I mean, I felt so connected to him immediately. And, and so it was no lie. Um, just incredible to have him uh, on the front lines doing this work, working with his team. He truly gets it. It gives me a lot of hope. I agree. I think the end game has to be ending homelessness. And, and it was really nice to hear that echoed by someone who's a leader in the healthcare field. Absolutely. I mean, listen, homelessness has not been around in this magnitude forever, right? It mm -hmm. is. It's coincidentally when he started his work in the early 90s, it was the late 80s, early 90s, where homelessness really took off. Coincidentally, when we stopped building affordable, supportive housing, yep. there is a way out. It, it is, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a climb, but we are up to it. And with good people like uh, Dr. Turnbull uh, leading the way, uh, it gives me hope. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. A quick reminder to subscribe to the show on any platform you're listening. And if you'd like to find out more about Blue Door, visit bluedoor.ca. To get more information about the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness, go to caeh.ca. See you next time. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. 
And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.